and welcome to the BPL podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Laser, and I'm here today with a very special guest, Dr. Daniel Skinner. Daniel, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's great to be back in Bexley. Daniel Skinner is a political scientist and health policy researcher who is currently associate professor of health policy in the Department of Social Medicine at Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine on the Dublin, Ohio campus. He earned his PhD in political science from the City University of New York. Dan teaches, researches, and is active in health politics and policy, especially in areas of healthcare access, healthcare reform, and access to healthcare services for vulnerable and underserved populations. So Dan is here doing a, um, a program here at Bexley tonight. Um, he is speaking about um, a project in which he is the project co-lead, which is not far from me, stories of opioids in Ohio. So more and more Americans find themselves in some way touched by the opioid epidemic. But while many have observed the effects of the crisis, Not Far From Me, Stories of Opioids in Ohio, is the first book on this public health emergency composed entirely of first-person accounts. The collection unfolds across 50 gripping accounts by Ohioans at the center of the national epidemic. Shared through personal stories, poetry, interviews, and photos, these perspectives transcend typical one-dimensional portrayals of the crisis to offer a mosaic of how politics, religion, sports, economics, culture, race, and sexual orientation intersect in and around the ep epidemic. So, Dan, again, thanks for coming on the podcast. So what, what would you say is the genesis of Not Far From Me? So, you know, the book is co-edited by Berkeley Franz and I, my colleague at Ohio University. She's at the Athens campus. And, uh, you know, Berkeley and I are, are researchers. We've been working on projects of various sorts for a bunch of years now. And, you know, to be in Ohio in 2017, 18, when this project was conceptualized, is to hear a lot of, um, you know, news items going on, uh, a lot of developments around the opioid crisis. So um, as qualitative researchers, Berkeley is a sociologist. I'm a political scientist. Um, I have a particular interest in rhetoric and the medical humanities. Berkeley's really interested in community-oriented healthcare research. It was a natural fit for us to... And to think about the ways in which average people's stories, just Ohioans around the state, um, you know, might be excluded from the way that the issue was being talked about in the in the public sphere. So we decided that we were going to try to do this humanities-based project of just simply asking Ohioans who wants to tell their story and um, try to get some diversity, try to get some regional coverage around the state, and tell some of the stories that weren't being told. Absolutely, and so. How did you facilitate these first-person accounts? So, the, you know, Berkeley and I are always very careful to say, we always are very excited to say that we edited this book. The book exists because we have more than 50 contributors. Um, and, you know, we put out public calls of various sorts to try to see who, um, you know, who was interested. Of course, you know, I don't know what we were thinking exactly. We thought that, you know, maybe we would get a few emails or uh, phone calls, but we were flooded with them because there were lots of people all around the state who wanted to tell their stories. Um, and so that, that was the initial step. Then we really were committed to doing many different kind of media. So there's visual art in the book, full color. Uh, there's quite a few uh, poems. The Ohio Poetry Association was really helpful with that. Uh, and, you know, then there were some areas that we just wanted to cover. We wanted to make sure that LGBT issues were in the book. We wanted to make sure that there was a conversation around race and addiction that had been part of the story that we thought was being excluded in, in, in the popular discussions. Mm -hmm. So we kind of went out and then did a little bit more fine-grained work, outreach to areas and to people that we thought would have particularly compelling stories to tell. Okay, so it sounds like the response was almost a bit overwhelming. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it, it was. Um, you know, and it, it's one of the harder parts of this um, process for me and for Berkeley. You know, at a certain point, um, so many people have lost kids. We didn't want this book to be a collection of stories of people who lost children. So it's hard to tell somebody we have a lot of those stories. You know, I mean, it's it's one of the features of this crisis itself is that there's just so many people who've been affected that the hardest part became having some of those conversations is saying, well, that, that perspective's sort of already in the book. We're going to have to, you know, move to another person. And, you know, we've tried to r remain in contact with those folks and bring them into the conversations we've been having subsequently at events like this. And also the, um, the conversations we've been holding around libraries in the state with the Ohio Humanities Council's generous grant that they gave us to go around the state and, and um, talk with folks about the addiction crisis in our state. Okay. And yes, so you, you mentioned those discussions at libraries. So, I, you know, when I was looking into this, I, I saw that not far from me is this sort of multifaceted project that is more than just the book itself. So can you kind of go for what the scope of the project entails? Yeah, I mean, the book becomes the foundation, right? So the, the book is is where the stories are told. And then what we did, the Ohio Humanities Council funded us to build a website um, and to pay uh, an instructional designer at Ohio University, Kyle Rosenberger, uh, to help us develop a set of semi-structured conversations that people could, that we could work with um, participants through, but also that we could have available on the website, notfarforme.org, so that people can go get them there. They're free of charge and they can hold these conversations in their churches, their synagogues, their front, their living rooms, um, you know, wherever it is, or their schools. Um, we we're hoping that this project could be the foundation by using stories. So what these semi-structured conversations do is they really take excerpts of some of the stories, some of the first-person accounts, and then they generate some questions that uh, can hopefully get audiences going. And We've done 11 or 12 of these now, and I, we have no problem getting the audience involved because people have so much to say. Yes, and I recently was listening to something or maybe reading something about the sort of the power of, of storytelling and the, the yeah. sort of universal nature. So, you know, it's it's interesting that it sounds like this is one of the first, if not the first, collections of, of this nature. Around and, opioids, yeah. And, I mean, the first person, the, the crisis is not in their state, has not been told primarily through people's voices themselves. They've been told by other people. So the most famous one here is Sam Canonis's book, Dreamland, which is mm -hmm. a really important book. It's fantastic. But by Canonis's own admission, he's a journalist. He found people and reported on it. He even said when he came to Ohio University in, in one of his public talks, he said, ne the next step with kind of healing in this process is for people to tell their own story. There's something really cathartic about sitting down and writing or talking about what you've been through. And there's, a, you know, medicine is going through this right now with a focus on narrative medicine, just the importance of people talking about health, talking about their mind and uh, working through um, their thoughts in that way. Yeah, and I, I know here at the library, I, you know, um, when we are recommending books and whatnot, I, I have a lot of luck with, you know, people might come to me and say, well, um, I'm not into nonfiction at all, but there's so much great nonfiction with the narrative emphasis these days yeah. that I, I usually try and slip one or two of those in my recommendations. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm a history person. And to me, I mean, fiction versus nonfiction when you're talking about history is almost irrelevant, you know, in, a, in the hands of a good storyteller. You know, so I, I yeah. to, to me, it's it's just about being able to get hooked in so that you can assume somebody's perspective for just a little bit or, or get a glimpse of what the world looks like from somebody else's perspective. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So 
how has your perspective on the opioid crisis changed after hearing these stories? Well, a couple of things. I mean, one of them is that I, I think that, you know, there's just something that comes. I've never been a sports coach. So hearing sports coaches talk about it from that perspective, it's just there's going to be perspectives that are just new. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a white guy in Columbus who's thinking about the opioid issue. There's something that comes. I'm a white straight guy in Columbus. Right? So, like, right. you know, there's just going to be something that comes from that um, from going through that experience. And I'm sure Berkeley has other perspectives that she's learned um, through um, or ways of seeing that she's learned through this process. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that um, I like to kind of joke, you know, if you can joke around something like this, and I think you have to, <laughs> uh, to some degree, of course, when you're involved in a project this long, is just, you know, um, I, I kind of had my academics hat on at the beginning. I thought this was going to be, you know, find our contributors, put the book together, write an introduction. Mm-hmm. I found myself really emotionally pulled. And I also, you know, I'm a New Yorker transplanted to Ohio. Berkeley's in Indi- uh, from Indiana, uh, transplanted to Ohio. I can, speaking for myself, I can say this project really helped me to feel more at home here. I have more friends now. I have more connective tissue with the state. I learned, um, I like to show off my knowledge now of the different counties in the state. And just, I mean, there's something really amazing about something like this of just learning about the place. When you read the book from the very beginning passages to the end, I think readers are overwhelmed by how much people just love this place and their love of the place is what makes this so hard. Ohioans are really proud of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, Governor Strickland uh, wrote the the foreword to the book and it kind of just, you know, exudes this passion, but also he's a, you know, well-known person in the state who had a very personal connection with this. So there's that kind of going back and forth between the big abstract ideas of, you know, whatever it is that Ohio is to the nation and to the people who live in the state, and then just the, like, lived reality within communities. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, and it's good that, you know, at least as, as some sort of silver lining, you now you have this connection, these experiences, these friends, yeah. you know, to feel more at home where you currently live. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just say um, in a more serious tone, like there are quite a few pieces in the book um, of people who lost children, right? And a lot of those people are now doing things that are, tr- they're trying to, you know, give something back. They're trying to make sure the next family doesn't experience what they experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, in many cases, children who are gone that I feel like I know. You know, I, I, I've seen pictures yeah. of them. I have uh, read stories about them, and um, they're part of my world to some degree. The same thing is true. We have two pieces written by incarcerated uh, persons, and, um, you know, I feel like I know them really well, and I, I stay in touch with, you know, in, one, in the case of the Steinbergers who wrote this piece about their family and their son AJ and his, his situation, I feel uh, really close to AJ. I, I, I think about him, hope he's doing well. Like a book like this, when, when storytelling works, it should bring you together to create more compassion and empathy like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very important. So I, I noticed, you know, from your bio, since you are active in, you know, health politics and policy and you're concerned with access and things like that, has this project influenced your stance on access and reform? and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, Ohio is a interesting state. We have 88 counties for, you know, Ohio is not the smallest state, but we you know, definitely, California has 50 something counties. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, I mean, really? so one of the things I think Berkeley and I have talked about a lot traveling around the state is 
just uh, how every county is different. You know, the experience of this crisis, like the diversity of the state regionally, um, the different approaches of the public health departments. I've learned, and I've you know now I'm one of these people who talks all the time about obscure issues like sheriffs. I mean, I'm just obsessed with sheriffs. Who your sheriff is really matters. If they're a lock them up sort of type, then you're gonna go one way. If there's somebody who has a bit more compassion and thinks about harm reduction, making sure that people are safe, thinking about ways to keep people out of prisons and, 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 um, and jails, then it's gonna matter a lot. And we have 88 sheriffs in this, uh, in this, in this state. So like, just things like that have really given me appreciation of the importance of public health, but also the unevenness of public health in Ohio. You know, just that you can be in one, you know, where you get arrested, which county line is going to make a big difference in terms of possibly your whole trajectory for many, many years in, in, with your involvement with the criminal justice uh, system. So, I, you know, I think, I think just sensitivity to the local like that is, has been really important. Also, again, the, the, you know, the politics of it. I mean, I'm a political scientist. I used to teach at Capital University here in Bexley, one of the reasons why I love coming over here. Um, I had two advisees at Capitol, they both after when I left who, who died from overdoses. Um, you know, I mean, that's framed my thinking about it, just the contact with those folks and thinking about what could have been there, but also watching the way in which particular, in particular affluent communities, the well-to-do process these things. And that's really what gave rise to our book in general, the title of it, which is this idea of you think you're invulnerable, you think you're a good quote-unquote family you know, you're, you know, you, you are just as vulnerable as anybody else. It's just that you have built this bubble around yourself. So I see that in elite places like, you know, private colleges and we're, we're trying to break down some of those walls in this book. Yeah. So, so much to respond to there. Um, I, I guess that was a I, bit I of a run on sentence on my part. Oh so. no, no, it's all very <laughs> interesting. I, I didn't want to interrupt. Um, yeah, well, I guess I will pay more attention to sheriffs and, and the local, police force and whatnot now I, I you know I can't say it's something that I really considered before and I also yeah. didn't know that we had so many counties per I guess our land mass or yeah it's um, pretty and there's a whole story like, behind relatively. it somebody explained it to me I don't exactly know we can you could have a historian on to talk about why Ohio has 88 counties which is a kind of interesting question we have 22 counties represented in this state um, in this book so we have 22 counties represented in, in this book and uh, it, obviously there are big gaps there are stories that are not told here there mm -hmm. are people um, of different faiths, of different ethnicities, of different regions to some extent that are just not in the book. But we hope that the book sets a kind of, puts a, puts a flag in the ground for the, the bigger project, which is storytelling, which is finding, you know, getting people to, to talk in their communities. Absolutely. And it sounds like you're sort of, you're sowing those seeds, you're, you're sort of making it easier to facilitate those conversations with your, your project and, and also the, the conversations that you're going out having in different libraries and whatnot. So Yeah, we hope so. I mean, look, this thing is long is, is far from over. Uh, we now have methamphetamine crisis developing in the state. Um, we have, um, you know, any number of pro problems in terms of funding, as I mentioned, public health, mm -hmm. and really truly going in on it. Some counties still deeply stigmatized, and some, t some towns are better than others. So, like, Franklin County is going to be different than you know, some other counties in terms of just being able to help people and taking that approach. But we're hoping that this book adds to that conversation so that we get people at least thinking a little bit about, okay, you know, um, I know we have these preconceived notions, but 
maybe we need to rethink them. Absolutely. Yes. And I, I would love to, to keep digging into this, but uh, we, we do have our program here and, and just a few yeah. here. So um, again, I want to thank Daniel Skinner for coming on the podcast and, and talking about this and um, also doing the program. So again, the book is not far from me, Stories of Opioids in Ohio, uh, and that's available now. Is there anything else you want to plug? You, you have your own podcast, is that right? Yeah, I do have my own podcast called Prognosis Ohio, which you can check out. It's affiliated with WCBE here in Central Ohio. I do want to say, though, if you purchase the book, please purchase purchase it from a small local bookstore like Gramercy Books across the street from where we are here. Absolutely. Or take it out of your library. And if it's not at your library, we'd love for you to request it because we want to make sure that we're covered in Ohio's great library systems. Yeah, absolutely. We have no shortage of excellent indie bookstores here in Columbus. And I believe, as when I checked, every copy... In, in our central library consortium is checked out so but you can always get on the hold list so awesome yeah all right thanks again dan that's all the time we have for today's podcast thanks for listening